the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as The Tom Sumner Program. We complete our uh, conversation uh, up next with um, IBM Chief Diversity Officer Carla Grant Pickens talking about uh, embracing the power of neurodiversity and inclusion. We'll uh, also be talking this hour with the founder of Funeralocity.com, Ed Michael Reggie, who is going to explain how a uh, grant program administered by FEMA will help with uh, COVID-related funeral costs. More of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Carla Pickens, Grant. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program, and this hour we turn our... uh think that there is an opportunity for us to embrace differences very different and that's okay that is quite okay maybe you know instead of of um, having to teach ourselves to uh, think out and what they need to, to be successful and the benefit of that right what you're going to get of value you will find that most everyone will say wow I wish I would have done this sooner what um now we've we've really kind of touched on a, a number of, of different areas but when we're talking about developing a a program of you know thinking outside the box not drawing boxes uh you know being more inclusive uh thinking in terms of um a, a kind of diversity that includes all kinds including people uh, considered neurodiverse. Where do we start? 
What do we do but day one after, you know, somebody gets up, uh, you know, Monday morning and says, you know, I, I, I heard this uh, interview on the Tom Sumner program with Carlo from IBM, and I'd really like to figure out how to do this. What, what's, what's step one? So, so step one, I recommend our, your listeners to go to www.ivm.com front slash be equal and learn about what is neurodivergent uh, communities and people and what we're doing at IBM and look at some of the best practices that we believe we're going to be sharing on our site from other companies and ourselves. And the very, very first step is to learn, become aware Second is acceptance. Well, to accept and move forward with action. And what that means is being transparent about your own biases and how you're growing and you're learning, making friends or mentoring with someone who's neurodivergent so you can learn more, but also figure out how you're going to take the steps to, one, hiring those that are neurodivergent in your organization and then making sure you onboard them and bring them in and provide them with the tools to support a successful career journey. And that looks like mentorship, management, and um, ongoing education as you continue to improve and grow in this space. And those are some first steps that I think are pretty easy to get started. You know, Carla, I'm kind of an old timer, so a lot of times when I hear IBM, I I still think of... uh, primarily business machines. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> we love that. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm curious um, when and how IBM came to the idea that it should make itself more neurodiverse and um, what about IBM makes it want to share that with other companies, especially other tech companies? Yeah, so so like you said, we're over 110 years old, and we have been a company where consciously building, like, inclusive teams and encouraging diversity of thoughts, right, is just instrumental at the, at the foundation of who we are. And so, look, we hired our first diverse person in the early 1900s, way before uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. And what we found is that we learn from every diverse group. And what we find is it is important that when we see anyone that may not be getting the opportunity to show up to be able to share their talents, we want to be at the forefront of that. And we listen to our employees, and we want to continue to pioneer um, on building inclusive um, teams and workforce. It has always benefited us as a 110-year-old company um, to, to do this, and, and it's allowed us to innovate and create more. So this is something we'll continue to do and we strive to do, and we to share what we believe are the best workplace practices, and, and this is one of them. You know, like I stated, one in 20 are neurodivergent. So many people are, more than you believe, and more, many people are living this, life in an invisible way, maybe afraid to even share because they may need help and support. So this is our way of bringing awareness and so that other companies can be leaders in this space and other companies, organizations, 
um, let's get this workforce to work. We have some amazing talent that have a lot to offer, and um, you're going to be very thrilled with the outcome. Well, I just I just find it interesting because IBM is certainly a big company, and we don't usually equate big companies with uh, um, wanting to share. Yeah, you're right. I think we're all in a different time, right, where, you know, we had the pandemic that really rocked us all globally, and we all had to figure out together how we were going to be safe, how we were going to all work from home. So it was important, and our employees said to us, it's important you share how we're going to make this happen. And it's important that you're transparent about it and you share what works for you with other companies so we can learn from one another. Because ultimately, we're in this all together, um, no matter what the crisis is. And so this is something we've continuously have done, and we do quite a few studies in our Institute of, of Business of Value where we're sharing our experiences with the world, right, Um, and benchmarking what we believe could be potential trends and solutions. And we'll continue to do that in the the work of the world, right? Um, It's much smaller, and and people want to be able to show up and have a career and to be able to be proud with confidence um, that they are able to make a, a life for themselves. It's a simple thing that you can offer. Does um, including, well, let's just put it this way, does inclusion of neurodiverse uh, employees, does it require a company to rethink the, the, the whole chart and how it, how it gets uh, get its work done with with different kinds of jobs and job descriptions and, and and all of that does it does it require a complete makeover in what we think of as a staff and what they're assigned to do yeah so it requires a few things it really doesn't require what we find as a different job description it does require um, different levels of support required, like like accommodation and tools. It could be having a coach or a mentor working in a team, and we work in a lot of teams where you can do group think and you work on projects together. But it also requires accessibility to things that make the job easier to do and perform. So if it takes you longer to maybe complete an assignment, um, give longer projects with more flexible deadlines. If it's that the workday and having to sit and work on something consistently all day is difficult, provide a more flexible work schedule that may be less hours in a day spread over a few more days in the week or over a few more hours, or flexible jobs where they could be part-time versus full-time. There's so many different things that we do today to accommodate anyone. We just need to extend and listen to the need to envision um, what the needs are. Sometimes it's tools, um, you know, in addition to, you know, 
not putting people in their noisy areas. It could be um, accommodation tools and how you access the technology where you get your, you, you really can't absorb listening to maybe a, a radio show, but you would love to get the transcript and read it because you can absorb it better that way and enjoy it. Or you may need both. You want to listen and the transcript and both together make that experience in your learning better. So those are just different ways in which you can show up and technology is trying to show up to think about how do we make sure we are looking at all of the different options for the different audiences so that they can also engage and consume and grow from your information um, to help them be successful. Well, that's my, what we've been really trying to share. Well, my guest is Carla Grant Pickens. She is the IBM Chief Diversity Officer, and we've been talking about how tech companies are unlocking the power of neurodiversity and embracing a rainbow of thought. And, uh, Carla, I want, I want to end there, but I want to thank you first for sharing your thoughts with uh, me and the listeners. But I always give guests an opportunity, and you mentioned it earlier, but I thought I'd give you another chance to share the website with people where they can find out more. Absolutely, Tom. So you can find out more at www.ibm.com front slash be equal. Well, Carla, thanks again. Thank you so much. Take care. That was Carla Grant Pickens from IBM. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lion. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about something a little different this hour. The U.S. government announced uh, recently that it will start reimbursing Americans uh, for funeral costs related to COVID. This comes uh, through the uh, Federal Emergency uh, Management uh, Agency, FEMA. And uh, we have a funeral industry expert joining me by phone um, who is the uh, founder of funeralocity.com ed michael reggie and as i said he joins me by phone ed welcome to the show uh, it's a pleasure to be here tom um ed there are two things that that I, i'm gonna want to talk with you about for sure this morning uh one is funeralocity but first let's talk about this uh, uh this grant or uh government reimbursement for COVID-related funerals. It, it sounds like this is based for everyone. It, this, is this a, a retroactive thing? What do people have to do to uh, actually um, qualify and receive money? It's both a retroactive program and a going-forward program. Ah. Uh, it began on April 12th, and anyone who has paid for a funeral since January of 2020 for someone who died of COVID can be reimbursed by FEMA up to $9,000. It's an amazing benefit, and there's no income minimum or maximum or everyone is eligible. This is just part of, of a government response to COVID. Yes, this is actually part of the Biden stimulus program, um, and FEMA has done this before in, in uh, three hurricanes, Katrina and Sandy, were two, but only in the few millions of dollars. This one, as you know, with um, approaching 600,000 deaths attributed to COVID in the U.S., uh, it could be, at, you know, a, in the billions of dollars. Yeah, it's it's definitely a phenomenal a phenomenal amount of money. What about some of the confusion? And and some of this is foil hat stuff, Ed. So you know, forgive me for. Uh, getting out into the conspiracy theories, but um, you know, I've I've read comments on social media and and in other uh, media that suggests that 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 some doctors and hospitals um, were putting COVID down as the cause of death in deaths that just happened to happen during the the shutdown and during the the pandemic. Um, as as a way to, I don't know, ramp up the numbers for whatever personal <laughs> agendas they had. Um, is what about that? What about proof of death by COVID? You know that coding has been a, an, a a cottage industry in healthcare for decades since DRGs were introduced in 1984 in the healthcare system. A hospital if it could justify that it's, the death is an acute myocardial infarction, a, ha a heart attack, <clears throat> it might be reimbursed more than if the patient was an asthma patient. So coding experts have always been part <clears throat> of the hospital system in making sure that they can justify the highest reimbursement possible. It sounds dishonest, and of course it could be dishonest, but it's generally the pursuit of getting as much reimbursement as they can in a legal way. So in a way, yes, of course, they're trying to justify getting the highest revenue. We hope they're not 
you know, stretching it and saying that the cause of death was COVID when, when this person was really dying of cancer, for instance. But there's no doubt that most people who are over 70 and are dying have multiple factors contributing to their death. And we've heard a lot about comorbidities with COVID. It's generally people who have had other diseases that complicate the situation. And yes, in a way, pick your disease um, to cause the cause of death. And sometimes it, it does ramp up reimbursement. I, you know, I thought you were going to debunk that completely. Ed, you surprised me <laughs> by by indicating that there might be some there there. Um, uh, I ran a healthcare, uh, uh, health insurance startup a few years ago, so I'm very familiar with, with uh, how that works. Are people at risk of being caught um, caught up in that deception if uh, if they try to um, use something uh, use a death certificate that indicates COVID that might not be no. for reimbursement? No, they're going to be there. There's no fault of the uh, of the family or, of course, of the deceased. It's the death certificate. It's issued. Um, you know, and it's a it's physician has been the person on that, and there's no there's no danger at all. And really, I I want to say that I I'm not aware that there's a lot of fraud here, but I'm aware of the dynamic of how bills get coded, and um, there is a complexity to it. And yes, I think a hospital is going to be financially incented to put the right diagnosis as the cause of death so that it can get maximum reimbursement. Is this a difficult thing for people to apply for? I mean, is this is is it kind of a headache to, to get at that money? Is it like doing your taxes? <laughs> it actually, uh, as FEMA is advertising it, is a, it's very easy. Uh, it The only way to apply is to call FEMA, and you can get the phone number on FEMA.gov, and the only thing, they're going to have what they call a 20-minute phone call with you, and they're going to only need two pieces of information, and they're going to ask you to submit that after you have the phone call. And one is, uh, indeed, the death certificate, a copy of it, and the second is a copy of the funeral bill. And, of course, the, the funeral bill has to reflect that the person applying was the person who paid for the funeral. And that would be evidenced by, by what, uh, a, a receipt? possibly yes a credit card receipt um that's right um there, there isn't just going to be the 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 deceased's name on a funeral bill it will be the quote-unquote customer who wrote the check or um or placed the credit card so the, the name should be there so people can go to where uh, fema.gov is fema.gov and that's where they get uh their information about this now tell me about funeralosity i'm getting so used to uh the idea that there's an app for that but it never occurred to me there'd be a a funeral platform online that always seems like such a personal interaction but but tell me about funeralosity how it came about and what what it is funeralosity came about when i was running a clinical drug trials company and one of our staff members was planning a funeral and could, didn't know where to begin and thought it was a, an opaque process. There are 19,000 funeral homes in America. More than 90% don't put their general price list online. So you walk into the family funeral home, the place your 
habituated to go to and you have no idea what their prices are, well, the prices vary tremendously. So we started researching it and discovered that there is no site on the internet that helps you with these decisions. So we went out and got the prices of all 19,000 funeral homes and cremation providers and put it online. So we're the only people who've done that because we believe that families should be able to see prices and reviews and photographs in the privacy of their own home and not just make that call and show up and have to pay the price. And that's what historically people have done, but we live in an Amazon society where people want to, excuse my expression, shop for the right funeral home. Well, yeah, and that made me wonder how, how often people go usually in person to meet with, uh, you know, at a funeral home with a funeral director. How many times would a person like that ever leave and say, no, I think I'll shop around a little bit? Oh, what a great question. Uh, the, the National Funeral Directors Association, the Trade Association, does an annual consumer survey. In the latest survey, 83% of the time, families call one funeral home and that's it. So they're used to going to that one funeral home, they call up, and whatever the prices are, well, they pay them. And of course, funeral homes know that, and that's why 90% plus don't put the general price list online. Um, they, they're expecting that you're just going to call them and, and come in and have your service there. Now, FEMA is reimbursing people uh, up to $9,000 for COVID-related funerals. And, and 9000 sounds like about what I've heard funerals typically run. Why are they that much money? Um, a traditional burial is, in the national averages that we calculate, Including a moderately priced casket, the average burial is really under just under eight thousand dollars. So this is a very rich benefit, and yes, burials are really what cost a lot more money. But you know the the uh, the trend has been towards cremation, and especially during COVID, a lot of direct cremations, um, and so that's what uh, and that and that costs an awful lot less. I, yeah, I'm fascinated by that. the The price of burial is is that is that a real estate issue? The the cost of a burial is going to be yes. It's using the the funeral establishment to use its chapel, its hearses, its um, the casket. It, it's a uh, plus. There's going to possibly be a wake. Um, so it's, it, it usually involves a lot more of the services of the funeral home itself. A direct cremation, as an, as an example, would merely be the funeral home cremating the body and, and, and having an urn of ashes for the family to pick up. If it wants a ceremony, that starts adding some more money to it. But but putting a, uh, a casket with a... Uh um, with the deceased in the ground is is that expensive because it's it's real estate because oh yes yes I, I didn't understand yes of course in, in buying a cemetery plot that's going to add even more to that average cost yes so uh, yes so that's that's a, a bit more and of course that's what FEMA is going to in some ways reimburse for if it's a burial. 55% of the time it's a cremation. 
Now, I've read bits and pieces, this is all uh, anecdotal, Ed, but um, about people lamenting that they've had to bury loved ones during the pandemic without having um, a, a proper send-off, a, a funeral or a service where people could gather. Uh, they even, you know, made big changes with Prince Philip's funeral this, uh, just recently. Um out of deference to you know the pandemic in in public health um is that how much of that has been has become the norm over this last year and a half you know it's been zoom funerals and only immediate family, if there is a burial or ceremony at the funeral home or cemetery, uh, it's been uh, not something we as a society are conditioned to do. It's not the way we deal with grief. I think people will be and perhaps need to have some celebration of life of that person once the, econ the, uh, the, the, the economy is, is open again. Um, <clears throat> people need to hug People need intimacy and to, to be with their family and friends together to grieve and move on. And I think a lot of people are stuck in this, you know, being still sheltering a great deal and having never grieved among others who loved the person who died. And I think that really needs to happen. Yeah, I I attended, uh, or I didn't attend. I participated in a uh, a Zoom funeral uh, a couple of months ago, and it was not the same. It wasn't like doing a Zoom meeting where you had you know some interaction with people. I just you know I, I watched a relative's funeral on TV. It's um. It's something, but I don't think it's enough. I think that um, grief is an important thing that we need to pay attention to here and the proper grieving process, and uh, it's just not the, the, the full answer here. Now, with uh, Funeralocity.com, people can go there and, and look for funeral homes close to them and get some idea of what the prices are. How, how does how does that work, and what kinds of other information that's useful uh, can people find there? Um, they go to our website, and right on the homepage, you can tap your zip code in and get the prices of every funeral and cremation provider. You also get, we have several hundred funerals who have applied for our credentialing service, which denotes that they are what we call excellent. It's not just price we want, it's quality. So uh, you can also see that you know some funeral homes are have been uh, have been approved as what we call an excellent funeral home, um, and so that's additional information plus reviews and photographs. Um, but we assemble the prices into similar packages so that you can compare apples to apples to apples. For instance, in Flint, Michigan. Um, we, we have a direct cremation. You can look across the board. Incidentally, in, in, in Flint, a, you can get a direct cremation for $995 or for $2,795. Uh, 
That's to simply receive a, an urn with ashes. It and, can, and it that's, can vary a lot. That's a sig- yeah, I was going to say that's a significant range for a fairly small regional area. It is. It's very, it, uh, you know, it, it, it... Is that typical around I really the advocate head? that people shop that before they go to a funeral home. Is that typical around the uh, around the country? Ed? It is because prices are uh, not shown on websites. You get a tremendous variation in in prices. It's not like the two service stations that are across the street from each other who are a yeah. penny apart. I was just thinking uh, that same thing, and you watch the yes. numbers change and match up. You know, over a day. Um, what? Uh, with um you keep adding cremation and i keep forgetting to include it which makes me wonder is cremation um much more often used recently yes and and i don't mean just because of covid but is it um has it been on the rise in general yes for decades it's rising and rising and rising if we look at California as a bellwether state, California is well over 80% of its funerals are cremations. And ev- across the country, every year it goes up. Like I said, it's 55% of all funerals involve cremation today. That'll go up one or two percentage points every year is the way it's been going, regardless of COVID. And, and was there a, a big jump in that during... Uh COVID? Yes. There was a big jump in cremation. We'll see if that stays, but uh, uh, I suspect it will not stay as as high next year. It was merely a a stopgap measure for this year, for many people. Thinking that, um, that, that somehow cremation contributed to fighting COVID? No. It was that they would simply, because a real service was not possible with ah. you know, a lot of people, they said, let's, let's cremate the body, we'll hold the ashes, and we'll give an event later for family and friends and, uh, and really have the service that way. But attempting to do the Zoom funeral and uh, you know, having people you know, watch it and all that. I think some people also said, no, let's not, forget the burial. Uh, let's not do that now. Um, let's just cremate and, and figure out after the, you know, everything opens up what we can do. And, and in making that decision, how does that affect how they might get reimbursed by FEMA for a COVID-related uh, funeral? That's a great question. Uh, cremations generally cost less. Um, you know, that's what we're saying that a burial could cost six, seven, eight thousand dollars. Uh, direct cremation, as we saw there, it, it can be a thousand dollars or it can be three thousand dollars. So really, the reimbursement for many of these funerals is going to be a lot less than the nine thousand. What's interesting to ask ourselves is now that everyone knows about the benefit. Funerals that began now, you have virtually a blank check from FEMA to spend $9,000 right now. 
for people who opted for cremation um, and and then decide that they're going to have some kind of a memorial service after the economy opens back up, perhaps, you know, if, if President Biden is right, I'm holding him to a 4th of July <laughs> deadline uh, because of a comment he made in a speech recently about being able to get together with a few friends and family and barbecue on the 4th of July. Um, but uh, should those people wait and, and combine those costs as as part of the um, uh, split funeral activities, the cremation, and then the memorial? Um, I think they should. Um, I think that, once again, uh, FEMA.org, FEMA.gov has a list of all the expenses that are eligible for uh-huh. reimbursement and just make sure that, um, you know, we're not including things transportation or other things that aren't included in it but it might be a little confusing if somebody you know put in for reimbursement for the um, uh, cremation and then you know in six months they hold a memorial and get everybody together and then they try to put in for reimbursement for that too Uh, it could be it could be complicated and i would um um, those guidelines have not been set forth yet. It'll be interesting as this evolves how uh, the process might change. You know, there might become um, uh, online application process. There's not yet. And uh, some of those policies, like you're talking about, you know, a second part of the funeral, have not been outlined completely. But generally what they're saying is that if it was related to the burial and and funeral of, of uh, or cremation of the family member, uh, reimbursement should be there. Is there information about uh, about this program or and links uh, available at funeralocity.com? Uh, we have an, uh, an article on it, yes, that, that outlines it, and it also provides a link to FEMA. But yes, at funeralocity.com, you can get that information. You can click on it on on our homepage. Well, Ed, I appreciate you sharing this information with me. It it uh, it, it seems like it's unheard of, but as you uh, as you said a little bit ago, um, FEMA has done this before, just not this uh, all encompassing. Right. Well, Ed, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. Tom, it's a pleasure to be with you. All right, take care. That was uh, Ed Michael Reggie, founder of the free consumer site Funeralocity.com, talking about a new uh, uh, program from FEMA about getting reimbursed for funeral expenses related to COVID deaths. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> this is the unknown comic. 
And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. 
More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. We like to do at this time a song that my brother wrote. This is this is original song my brother wrote five years ago. My brother wrote this song in a fit of creative passion and genius. My brother wrote this song, and it was we only performed it. My brother and myself only three times. We performed this song three times, and it was immediately stole from us by this other commercial crass was stolen from us by this other commercial crass group that stole the song they never acknowledged. No, Tommy, don't they go just into stole that. the song no, from my younger Tom, brother. Don't go into that. It's, it's just embarrassing to say there's that. A, there are adults are entitled to know. <laughs> they stole the song from along my brother with my luggage. along with his luggage. Right. <laughs> and they, ne- they put it on one of the major record companies. They never once... Ag- they, and it sold over three million records. My brother's song that he wrote and they never acknowledged it. As a result, it sold over three million records and as a result... Pay attention. As a result, every time we perform my own brother's song that he wrote in his creative effort and genius responsible, every time we perform this, his own song, we've been ridiculed. And persecuted. And persecuted. We've been ridiculed and persecuted every time we perform this song. that people will come up and say, I heard your show and uh, you stole that song from that other commercial crass group. You just stole that song. So we're going to ridicule you, prosecute you, persecute, <laughs> persecute, persecute you. you. So I'd like to take this time to set the record straight, as my brother's be deprived of, depraved of the one... You were right the first time. He was depraved of this opportunity of having the, for posterity to understand and enjoy. He's been, I'd like to publicly dedicate the performance of the song to no. my younger brother for his creative effort and no. genius in Tom, writing no. the song. you don't have to I'm do that. I'm going to, Dickie. Oh. I'd like to publicly dedicate to you, Dickie Smothers, the, the creative effort and genius responsible for this song. I'd like to publicly dedicate to you at this time. Thanks. Swell. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. We'd like to perform it for you now, and I'm sure you've all heard the song many times before, but we'd like to do it for you in the original first time, the first time way no, in the you original. Mean, you mean first the virgin time. edition. The what? I said, you mean the virgin edition. We'll sing it in the virgin edition. I don't know what that means. Edition, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know what it means. Edition? <laughs> We'd like to do it to original virgin. No, sing it. <coughs> sing it. Ready? I'm ready. I knew it'd be ridiculed. <laughs> 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 
throughout history, there's been the story of the internal triangle. This potato, eternal triangle. <laughs> this particular internal triangle concerned a condemned man named Tom Crudley, a man named Jason, and another man named Sally Jean Johnson. <laughs> hey, now cut that out. several times. I met her on a mountain, stabbed her with my knife. Hang your head down, hang your head down, do hang down your head, Tom Cooley, poor boy, hang down your head and fly, hang down your head, Tom Hungley, poor boy, you're hungry. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
All the lonely people Where do they all come from? All the lonely people Where do they all belong? Well, that wraps it up for uh, today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program, the first in our 14th year of doing the show. I want to say thanks to all the guests, um, starting with... uh, Ed Michael Reggie, the founder of uh, Funeralocity.com, talking about FEMA money for uh, COVID-related funerals. And uh, before that, talking about how tech companies are unlocking the power of neurodiversity with uh, IBM's chief diversity officer, Carla Grant Pickens. Also want to apologize if you tuned in to to hear Leonard Cole today. Uh, I had to change that suddenly because of his schedule, but it will be rescheduled. Uh, Leonard Cole is the author of the book Chasing the Ghost about uh, Nobelist Fred Raines and the Neutrino. That's kind of over my head anyway. But uh, thanks to um, Tana Amen from the... uh, well, the author of The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child for uh, filling in. And also to Eric Groves, co-founder and CEO of Alignable, talking about the uh, pro-union legislation uh, going through Congress that uh, a lot of small businesses are concerned will have a very negative impact on them. So, pretty full show and uh, a little taste of live radio (laughs) with the uh, shifting gears on uh, Leonard Cole there but as I said uh, I have been in touch with him and we will be rescheduling that that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories let me know one more time that it's time to head on down the hall to the living room so with that I'll say good night everybody the Sumner program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.